Okay, here we go. Well, that was the opening music to Murder at the Gallop, released in 1963. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on iTunes. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews, or on Facebook, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. Or on the internet, just go to www.classicmoviereviews.net. And I'm Matt Johnson, recording from snowy North Bend, because we ended up having a white Christmas. And we're joined today by a special guest, who will introduce herself. I'm Matt's daughter, Haley. And Haley and I watched this movie together on Christmas Eve, which was awesome. I can't think of a better way to spend Christmas Eve. And I'm uh, Bob Johnson here in uh, Los Angeles, uh, wishing you all a happy holidays and welcoming you back to Classic Movie Reviews. I'm really excited that Haley's joined us because uh, she's a wonderful woman, and uh, plus, she liked this movie. (laughs) Anytime somebody likes an old movie that I like, hey, (laughs) I'm in. So thank you for joining us, Haley. Yeah. I'm excited hopefully, to be here. Hopefully you'll join us for um, many more of these. Whenever I'm home. We can have a, a intergenerational event every podcast. Well, it could at least be like an annual Christmas thing. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not the Chevy Chase Christmas music uh, movie. So Murder at the Gallop. I did a little research on our film. It was made by Metro-Golden-Mayer in 1963, British film. Uh, it I, it didn't show any of the revenue figures, but I think it was very successful. And uh, I've fallen in love with Margaret Rutherford ever since the first time I saw the first of these movies, Murder, She Said, in 1961. She made four of these films, and I've seen every one of them at least two or three times. Um, and I love them all. She's just She's just great, I think. Oh, yeah, we liked it so much we ended up watching another one last night. Well, which one did you watch? Murder Ahoy. Oh, oh the <laughs> ship, yes. Yeah, isn't she something? <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, her sidekick in these films uh, uh, was her uh, husband. Uh, Stringer Davis plays her partner every, about every movie. We both agreed that they both kind of reminded us of you and, and Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> You, <laughs> I'll, I'll pass that, I'll pass that along because Nancy thinks that uh, Margaret Rutherford and I have a secret love affair, even though Margaret's been dead for forty five years. I love I love her. She's the funniest woman in these movies. They could not have picked a better person. So Haley came up with a great like tagline for her. Yeah, we decided she's a detective slash social justice warrior slash knitter slash. She's a woman of many talents slash hot mama. (laughs) Yeah, hot mama. I echo your comment about especially hot mama. (laughs) Hot mama. I tell you, you know, she she first wore that that, uh, uh, similar outfit. And, oh, by the way, she wore all her own clothes in these movies. Wow. These were not costumes. They were her own wardrobe. She's a snappy dresser. I, I love that cape. I wish I could get one, but I don't know where I'd wear it down here. It's too hot. Well, plus you walking around in a cape would be quite a sight. eh? (laughs) (laughs) But not unusual if I'm on Hollywood Boulevard. Well, that's true. Uh, She first wore this kind of outfit in 1945 for the movie Blythe Spirit, 
which is a Noel Coward comedy. And uh, she she loved it, so she wore it in these films. Well, in the ship's uh, Murder Ahoy, she had a really nice like naval outfit on too. Yeah. 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 She was. She was very talented because if you remember in this movie, the murder at the Gallop, she had been a bicycle, a um, horse riding champion in 1912. Yeah, and they were very uh, active, like biking and horseback riding, and then climbing on these different barrels and boxes to go spy on people. <laughs> I know, scaling buildings. Nancy and I do that all the time. The neighbors are getting nervous. Oh, send photos. I want to see this. <laughs> Yeah, from jail. <laughs> uh, well, the the movie was directed by George Pollock, who did about, uh, I guess, about a dozen movies. Did a lot of film, uh, th- uh, TV work, but he did all four of the murder movies. He did, he was the director for those, and uh, I th- I thought that you know because they weren't big budget films, but they were really well done. I like the the uh, summary on IMDb where it says when a wealthy old man appears to have been frightened to death by a cat, Miss Marple <laughs> yeah. suspects one of his four relatives, all heirs to his estate. That, ha- that happens more often than we realize. Getting frightened to death by a cat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big it's a big deal, especially on Halloween. Mm. Dad and I had to uh, watch that beginning part with the cat at least three times. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, when she opens the closet door. And the cat jumps out. My goodness, what could have happened? How is he? Dead, I'm afraid. What is it? It's a piece of mud. From some recent visitor, apparently. Uh. Who still seems to be here. Stay with him. Well, you mustn't. Please be careful. was it? A cat. But I thought, I thought he hated cats. He did. He was frightened to death of them. Frightened to death? I know. I'm so glad you're with us. Um, Talk a little bit about the plot. Uh, Yeah, so let's see. It starts off with, oh yeah, they're they're trying to collect money for the What's it called? The Reformed Criminals uh, Justice Justice something something. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was active in about three hundred different volunteer groups. That's why we think she's a social justice warrior. And she was always, you know, standing up for herself, even in nineteen sixty three against all these men. <laughs> oh, at, and every film she's that way. Don't you love the way she kind of? takes charge uh, drives the inspector crazy inspector craddock played by uh charles tingwell yeah because he's always trying to like tell her what to do and she's not having it 
She's got, she doesn't want any of that, I tell you. Oh, yeah, so then they uh, are collecting money, and they decide to go visit this one estate that uh, this one guy never goes out. He's got a reputation for being a real, like, curmudgeon. But she's like, oh, no, well, he's got to answer the door sometime. <laughs> she decides that. <laughs> she just is welcome yeah, no in his fear. house. I really don't think we'll be very welcome here, Miss Marple. I know Mr. Enderby's rich, but he's, well, rather eccentric, to say the least. He may close his door on the world, Mr. Stringer, but he must expect it to be knocked on sometimes. He's never been known to give anything away, not even to charity. Well, perhaps the poor man's never been given the chance. I really must be getting back to the library, Miss Marple. It's a very worthy course, no doubt, but my employers... Surely you're entitled to your tea. Yes, but I, I haven't had it. Oh, but you shall. This will be our last call. After that, you must come back to my cottage. I prepared a very special tea to reward us for our labors. Yeah, so then they get up to the front door and they knock on the door and nobody answers. And it's cracked open a bit, so they go in. Why not? <laughs> Nancy and I, again, do all that do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so then oh, this is a, this is my favorite part. I'll let Haley talk about the next part. So she, when the when the old man dies after he falls down the stairs, she goes upstairs because she's she hears something upstairs and she figures it's still the murderer. She goes upstairs and opens the door, and there's this like stuffed fake cat <laughs> upstairs, and it's so obvious that it jumps out. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, we couldn't stop laughing. It was uh. so cheesy. <laughs> But not in I like, awesome but way. I like how she went to look for the noise. You know? Yeah, like, and she, um, Stringer Davis, he uh, tries to go with her, and she's like, "No, I can do it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Mister Stringer was with her. That's right. Yeah, they they they, uh, they made a good partnership in real life. Uh, the retired actor friend I see on Friday says that the two of them were really into ghost hunting. <laughs> oh, really? In, in their off time, you know, when they weren't filming or working. Oh my gosh! They would take trips to to do like Ghostbusters or that show that's on TV. Yeah, Ghostbusters. They were way before their time. <laughs> oh man! So uh, it, the the Inspector Craddock kind of says, "Well, this was a death by natural causes," and uh, yeah, if he wasn't dead at the top of the stairs, I think the fall down the stairs definitely killed him. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be ninety years old. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Miss Marple's not not believing it because she feels like there's something else going on here. This doesn't seem right. So they <laughs> they get on their bikes and they bike over to where the will is being read, and the four heirs to the fortune are around this table. And so then uh, she gets help from Mister Stringer to climb up on top of this wagon and top of these barrels and these boxes and. <laughs> I was just like, holy crap, are they really filming that? That looks dangerous for somebody her age to do that. <laughs> she had to be in her 60s then, 60s or 70s. She's pretty spry for her age, you know, just like you and mom. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so she overhears, like, the, the will being read, and it... and. Uh, that the amount of money that they got was twenty five thousand pounds at that time, and depending on where you looked, that was either somewhere between three hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, 
And wasn't that a suspicious-looking crew that was there for the will? They all looked guilty, I thought. <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, especially the the one who was married or going to get married to that guy that was just spending all their money. Yes. And though it is with some regret that I finally satisfy the greed of my relatives, I nevertheless do devise and bequeath that my entire estate be divided equally between my fourth cousin, George Crossfield, in order that he no longer need borrow from his client's funds, my niece, Rosamond Shane, in order that she may support her husband in the style to which he would like to be accustomed. To my nephew, Hector Enderby, in order that he may be able to afford to hunt every day rather than once a week, thereby providing more opportunity for breaking his neck. And finally, my sister, Cora Lanskenay, out of gratitude that she stayed out of the country for 30 years and didn't bother me. The money to be given outright to all parties concerned with the hope that it will make them all as miserable as possible. <clears throat> that is the important part, as far as you're concerned, I'm uh, sure. No, Mr. Trundle, the important part is how much money am I going to get? Really, George, I don't think you should say things like that, even if it's how you feel. Why not? I want to know. Huh? Of course, we all want to know. Well, a rough estimate, mind you, very rough, each of your shares should be about 20, 25,000 pounds. I can't remember. The, the thing about this movie it was very confusing, like what was going on at any particular point. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. Well, they over. almost when they were when they were eavesdropping on that will reading, they almost got they they got caught by uh, the inspector. Remember, he pulled up, I think, and they were sort of uh, embarrassed a little bit. Although I don't think she ever got embarrassed. I wouldn't no. say she was embarrassed because he he threatened to arrest her, and she's like, "Go ahead." <laughs> Make my day. <laughs> uh, Who were the names of the heirs? Was it uh, Hector Enderby? Yeah, he played by Robert Morley. He had great eyebrows. Oh yeah, Dad and I decided we could grow ours out like that. Wasn't he something? It was Hector and Enderby. Uh, uh, then there was the lady that was murdered, and I think there was Rosamund Shane and Rosamund's husband, and then Miss Milcrest played the oh, housekeeper, right? But the way that she introduced herself, she introduced herself as her companion. Who are you? What are you doing here? Well, I was... Oh, what's the matter with Mrs. Lanskinney? I'm afraid she's dead. Yes, but... You killed her. You killed her. My dear woman... Don't you touch me. You killed her. I saw you bending over her. My dear woman, do I look like a murderess? Well, I don't know what you look like, but I saw you. What you saw or didn't see isn't of much point at the moment. <laughs> we have to call the police. Where's the telephone? There it is. But you haven't yet told me who you are. I'm Mrs. Lanskin's companion, Miss Milcrest. Hello? Yes, I can hear you're talking, but you'll have to stop talking. Yes, I know it's a party line. But this is an emergency. I have to call the police. You needn't be sarcastic, young man. Indeed, I have a crime to report. Murder. Murder most foul. 
And Haley and I looked at each other and like, huh, companion? Like, maybe they were more than just friends. <laughs> well, you know, in those days, those code words were used all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we were curious about. But our, our intrepid heroine, Ms. Marple, decides to get further involved. Let's see, after that, they... Go out to that inn, right? The Gallop Inn? Yeah. Because she finds out that they're all going to be out. Or No, I remember what it was. Uh, she thought that maybe the, the murderer was wearing riding boots. And then she finds out that uh, Robert Morley's character has this inn where there's a, well, that's riding, it, yeah. a riding club or something like that. So she decides to go investigate. That was awesome. She found the piece of mud that uh, the riding boot was matched to and baked it baked a cast into a piece of bread <laughs> oh yeah she that was, was very multi-talented yeah oh and then in ships ahoy we also found out that uh she's a scientist yeah oh she's very talented did you happen to uh see the uh, poster for the film where she's wearing that enormous hat <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than her head. <laughs> I tell you, she is, however, a hot mama. I agree with you. Yeah, just yeah. I think um, <laughs> it was uh, uh, yeah. Hector Enderby would also agree with you. Yes, got although, denied by her. Although at the end of the film, he he, he says sort of un, as an aside, that was a narrow escape. You asked to see me before I left, Mister Enderby. Oh yes, indeed, Miss Marple. Yes, yes, indeed. May I help you with that? Oh, that is good of you. There we are. May I? Oh, please do. <clears throat> Ow. Is this wise, Mr. Enderby? Oh, yes. It's the hunt today, you know. It's the fidget hunt. Mr. Enderby, you did want to see me. Yes, that's true, Miss Marple. That's true. Oh, hell? Do you know that every chair in this room is stuffed with the hair of the horses that I've loved. And I think I may say have loved me. Human beings, you know, I've never got on so well with human beings. Well, of course, they're all right when they're up, but when they're down, only two legs, you know. So I think I follow you, Mr. Enderby. I knew you would. We're alike, alike. Well, I mean, you're a lady in retirement, a single lady living alone, well, I think you know what I'm trying to say. Are you by any chance proposing to me, Mr. Enderby? That's right. I'm proposing that you should keep your saddle here permanently. This is where it belongs. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, it would be a working arrangement, of course. You run the hotel and I'll run the stable. Well, you run the stable and I'll run the hotel. I'm extremely flattered, Mr. Enderby. Well? But I'm afraid I must say no. No? You see, I have so many other interests to occupy my time. One, indeed, presses now. The next production of the Church Hall, a murder mystery, you know. I do hope you'll come. I don't think I'd care for it. Oh, what a pity. Well, goodbye. Goodbye. Marple. Yes. I would deem it an honor if you'd at least stay the day. 
and be my guest at the hunt. I'm very sorry, Mr. Enderby, but I disapprove of blood sports. That was a very narrow escape. Do you remember that? Yeah, what did you think he meant by that? I think he was having second thoughts about romancing. After she totally dissed him about how yeah. she doesn't like I think violence. that was his own self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. I think he realized that he was he was uh, had gone too far. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, well, um, he liked he liked it when she was trying to help him off with his boot, though. I think that's what got him interested. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, she had a hell of a time trying to get an impression of one of those boots. Like every time she would go to try to look at a boot, somebody would interrupt. Can I help you? Well, I was just admiring your boots. They're quite beautiful. I'm really envious. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got to the point where I wasn't quite quite sure when I first saw this uh, who the villain was. Oh, I had oh, no, we had no idea. idea. Yeah, yeah we had no was, idea till they uh, revealed it. Was quite it. a surprise. There was also a lot of sneaking around at late at night where she had pretended to be asleep, and then somebody came in and tried to turn the turn the gas on in her fireplace to try to kill her. And then she woke up because her plan was that she was going to go sneak around and try to look at these boots. And then she noticed that the gas was on. And she's like, huh, I must have forgot to turn that off. And I was like, no, she would have known that she didn't leave it on. She's too smart for that. It's definitely a hole in the plot. (laughs) Yeah. She was quite quite an interesting actor, Margaret Rutherford. She, uh, She won an Academy Award. For a movie called The VIP, she was Best Supporting Actress in 1963. So this movie came out at about that time. Oh, interesting. They're at, she's at the writing club, and Robert Morley is interested. Well, yeah, because she, she's trying to uh, investigate each one of these people, and she ends up thinking that she's got it, and she makes a phone call back to Inspector Craddock. But then... As she's making the call, the person that she thinks is the killer walks by, and then she's like, huh, what's going on there? So she decides to follow him. But then somehow he gets he winds up in the stables with the horse and then gets locked in there, and the <laughs> yeah. horse tramples him. Yeah. yeah. So her, her original hunch that was wrong. It wasn't that guy. We sort of skipped over the murder of the, the sister, though. Yes, because she she right. yeah the she goes out to visit the sister at her house and then while she's there, again like knocks on the door nobody's there so she decides just to go in. She has no problem just going into these houses. With well, I think the sister was sitting in the chair, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and not responding. That was quite a brutal instrument that did her in too. She'd been murdered by a hat pin. Yeah, not good. <laughs> And then I love the I love the inspector comes in and goes well, or it might have been one of the police officers. Well, it was a whim, a woman's weapon. And the inspector says, yes. "Well, a man could use it too." <laughs> yes, I don't know where. Well, again, it's fifty some years ago. 
Wow. Yeah, I remember that. So let's see. She It was right before the guy got killed in the stables. She overhears somebody, oh, the art dealer guy, talking about how he's got this painting that's worth a fortune. And then she starts to put the pieces together about how this whole thing was really more about the painting than, than anything else. The painting was worth... At least a million, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So she decides to set a trap because she thinks she's got it figured out now because she knows where the painting was originally, uh, you know, who had the painting originally. If this sounds confusing, it's because it actually was pretty confusing <laughs> watching it. <laughs> we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. If you remember those television shows, uh, Murder, She Wrote, it has a flavor. Those shows had a kind of a flavor of this movie. Always a lot of suspects. Lots of uh, uh, dead ends in terms of the investigation. And Angela Lansbury was the uh, d- the writer in those uh, TV shows. And it's patterned after this movie, these four movies. Oh, that's, yeah, because it definitely seemed like one of those TV episodes. Yeah. But she, so she decides to set a trap for the, for the murderer. And so she pretends to be asleep in her room. No, wait. She pretends to have a heart attack. Pre- which yeah. was another one of the great scenes because they were at this dance. And then it was, and this totally reminded me of you and Nancy <laughs> when they were out on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In, uh, I must ask, in a good way or not? <laughs> oh, of course in a good yeah. way. Because they oh, were okay. just like, they don't give a crap. They're going to go out there and do the twist with the young crowd. And Miss, Mr. Stringer walks in and Miss Marple's like, oh, this is his favorite dance. And he's like, well, yeah. it is? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's never even heard that music before. <laughs> but, you know, in real life, the two of them were, were totally devoted to each other. You could tell in the movies. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were not acting in that movie. That's the way they were in real life. And she would just kind of tell him what to do, and he would just obediently go and do it. And you could tell he was more than happy to just be helping out. So I really liked his character, actually. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way he was with, because she was the successful actor, and he was kind of her manager, assistant, whatever, did all the the budgeting things and that kind of thing and you're right that's that was the relationship they had okay so after okay so they have this fake heart attack for her so that she can end up in the room on the main floor kind of at the back of the house and the reason she wants to be back there is so that she can uh set up this trap for the murderer and Haley and I were just hoping hoping so much that there was going to be a cat involved in this scene. <laughs> All the other murders had cats. Although it was, a, it was a pretty good surprise, though, when it turned out to be who it was. Um, yeah. And the way she was dressed up was pretty freaky looking, I thought. And and the, uh, the person that was guilty, Flora Robeson, who played Ms. Is it Milchcrest? Flora was a very successful actress herself that had done a lot of movies. And they did a lot of movies together and a lot of theater, live theater. She and Margaret, they're best of friends. She, but her, oh. her, like, her, her acting at the beginning of being like this meek, kind of quiet person, to me, seemed a little bit suspicious. So, Yes. But there were so many suspects, it was hard to know who was, <laughs> who was the one. And there was just a lot going on. 
There were half a dozen suspects, easily. Because then there was um, the the younger couple too that had ran. Um, who was it off the off his bike off his horse? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. And that car they were driving. Oh, I, I looked that up. That was a Austin Healey three thousand. It's a beautiful machine. Apparently, those have increased in value. Like if you'd bought one around. 2010, you could have gotten it for about 30000 but now they're worth upwards of seventy to 80000 Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like a nicely restored one. Nice. Yeah, they were kind of... Uh, she was with that guy who was also seeing somebody else in the city. I mean, it's just like... Whoa, boy, whoa, steady, steady. It's a car coming that seems to be unsettling. Don't stand the sound of my little baby. There are many... Rosman, what are you trying to do? That was Hector. You tried to kill him? There wasn't anyone near him. Well, you nearly hit him. You did it on purpose, didn't you? What's the matter with you, darling? Look, will you slow down? There. Is that better? All right, Rosman. Now, what's all this about? What's all what about? Well, you know darn well. All right, so I lied to the policeman that morning about riding. What difference does it make? Depends what you were doing. Well, I had some business in the city. Did you? I hope it was to say goodbye to her. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you? Doesn't matter. I always know when you're lying. I'm not lying. Of course you're lying. Like you lied about where you were last week when you went to see Uncle. On the day he died. How did you know that? I know everything about you. Now, look here, Rosamond. I don't like having my movements checked up on. Now, I mean that. Don't push me too far. But I like to know. What happened? Did you think your fatal charm might loosen his purse strings? Something like that, yes. And didn't they? No. And that's all? Of course that's all. Then why not mention it? Well, I thought after what had happened, people might think that I... Uh, they might think that Aunt Cora was right. Yes. They might think that. <laughs> that guy was a jerk. Well, the thing about these movies, these four... Echo Stop. My, uh, hang on, that was my Amazon thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a word will Does Echo want to join us on the podcast as well? I mean... Well, I said something, I guess, that she thought her code word is Echo. And I must have said something that was like that. So She's she listening again to... now. I turned her off. Oh, okay. I was going to say, maybe we could get it to play some music. <laughs> Don't, that was the other thing about the movie. I I, I thought the the music perfectly fit. Yeah, I, I made a comment about that too to Dad. <laughs> yeah. Upbeat, kind of, you know, here we go. The opening song um, was the same in Chippa, uh, Murder Ahoy too. Yeah, Murder Ahoy. I said Chip Ahoy earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I think they might have been the same. They might have used the same music in all four movies. Well, it was the same exact opening scene with her walking down the street in both movies, except you know, she ended up doing different things after the first few seconds. But, yeah. Well, if you like those two, you would love the other two just as much. One takes place where she sees somebody murdered on a train. That's murder, she said. And then uh, murder most foul, that's where she 
becomes a member of an actor's group. I mean, this woman was the Renaissance woman. She seemed like a very modern character to me. Like, you could definitely see her in a movie or TV show today. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but in the 1950s, there weren't very many character roles like this for women. Betty Davis had some, Joan Crawford. But uh, we've seen a number of movies, haven't we, Matt, where the the uh, woman character is is not portrayed in a strong way. No, that always sucks when that woman there's like a woman character and all she gets to do is like serve coffee or something. Yeah, that sucks. Not so, in this movie though. Yeah, she she took <laughs> the lead. Uh, an aside on the uh, the director uh, George Pollock. Remember the movie Brief Encounter that we did. Uh, podcast review. He was uh, the assistant director in that. That's how it kind of got started in the business. Yeah, it was really good directing, and I liked the cinematography was great. I liked it was in black and white, even though in 1963 there were a lot of color movies out, obviously. Yeah, all four of these are in black and white. I think they're, I think they're better that way. Low budget. Yeah, low budget. So... Have we confused our listeners sufficiently with the plot? I, I, I'm still confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the takeaway for me is that once again she was successful. Well, and actually, when you're watching it, and she kind of wraps it all up at the end, it, she wrapped it up in the last eight minutes of the movie. It, it did make sense, but the whole way along, I was just like, "Is it that person? Is it that person? What's going on? <laughs> Why is she yes. doing that?" Um. Well, maybe we should ask our guest today what her rating would be on the film. We use a 1 to 10 scale. 1 through 10, 10 being the best. <laughs> I thought it was really funny, and I liked her character, but I was very confused throughout the whole movie, and so I'd probably give it like a 4 or 5. Cool. Like I wouldn't watch Not it again, but it was enjoyable to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I sadly would give it an eight because no matter what Margaret Rutherford does, I like. You like the hot mama part of her character. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Oh, mama. I'll split the middle and give it a seven. I I enjoyed it. I probably would end up watching it one more time, Uh, just in the background if I was doing something else maybe. But uh, I'd like to watch the other two that we haven't seen. They're, They're... they're good. Yeah, I liked watching the other movie, uh, Murder in Ahoy. Oh, I'm so glad you joined us, Haley. We do this on a regular basis, by the way. This is our 97th podcast. Can you believe it? I know. That was fun. Thanks for joining us, Haley. Yeah, thank you for having Haley. me. Welcome uh, back. Anytime you want to join us, uh, we're, we're targeting to do a thousand of uh, the podcasts. Yeah, uh, neither one of us is going to be alive long enough to yeah, do it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me whenever I'm home. Oh, great. Okay. Well, that was uh, Murder at the Gallop, and you've been listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and I'm Matt Johnson coming to you again from North Bend. I'm Haley Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson in uh, Los Angeles wishing you all happy movie watching. Uh-huh.